Well, hello, and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and uh, thank you for joining us again, or welcome if it's your first time. We focus on some cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history, and today we're going to be listening to some of the first recordings made by a pretty influential band in British trad circles, traditional jazz in England. And as far as I know, that was where the term traditional jazz originated. Um, it's used as a kind of a catch-all term for Dixieland, New Orleans jazz, hot jazz of the 20s, all sorts of different things. But the trad jazz scene in England was quite uh, bustling in the mid to late 50s and through the mid 60s. And we're going to go back a little bit further to find some of the roots of the trad jazz movement there. So we're going to be focusing on the first recordings that were made by Humphrey Littleton and his band. Humphrey Littleton was a trumpet player who uh, had a very long, colorful, interesting career uh, in British entertainment circles. He came up uh, as a uh, trumpet player, self-taught trumpet player, having learned in school. Uh, he was born about 1921. He did his service in World War II, and when he came out, he started playing professionally in a traditional jazz band that was led by a piano player named George Webb, George Webb's Dixielanders. And uh, they made a few recordings in the in the 1946-47 time period, as well as broadcasting on the BBC. Uh, but George Webb decided he didn't want to continue leading the band, so he disbanded in, I think it was January of 1948. And by March... Uh, uh, Littleton had taken over the band and was leading it under his own name. So the group we're going to hear is Humphrey Littleton on trumpet or cornet, Harry Brown on trombone, Wally Fox on clarinet, George Webb on piano, Neville Scrimshire on guitar, Les Rawlings on bass, and Dave Carey on drums. And George Webb is considered sort of the father of traditional jazz in England. Uh, he lived very long life uh, into the 2000s. He was uh, way up in his 80s and still played very well. Uh, Humphrey Littleton lived till 2008. He, in addition to being a uh, musician, was a radio broadcaster, what they call a presenter in England. He uh, hosted a quiz show. He was a cartoonist. He uh, had an immensely interesting life uh, and an immensely interesting career. Wally Fox on clarinet was probably the most original player in this group. He was born 1924, and as of right now, which is 2021, I believe he's still alive. He is edging up on 100. Uh, he made his living as a cartoonist. He was a very well thought of cartoonist, and if you Google his name, you'll come up with some of his cartoons and artwork for various British papers. Uh, he was a touring jazz musician for a while when it didn't interrupt his cartooning career, uh, and he sort of went back and forth with that over his life. Uh, he had eyesight problems when he was in his 80s, and he gave up cartooning and uh, turned to music full-time that late in life. So we're going to start with a recording that was made on March 20th of 1948. Now, most of these early recordings were done for Tempo Records or occasionally Esquire, London Jazz, a couple of other companies. Uh, Littleton started recording for Parlophone uh, a few years later, and those recordings are generally well-known. These uh, recordings that we're going to be hearing today are considerably less well-known, but they're very rewarding nonetheless. So the first tune is called the Victory House Drag, and this is a Humphrey Littleton tune. Uh, I believe this was a test record recording for tempo, as I said, on March 20th of 1948. And then we're going to jump up to May 11th, 1948, and hear one of their first release sides. This was for tempo, and it's called Jenny's Ball. 
So following that, we're going to go to uh, September 12th of 1948. This is all basically the same personnel for most of these recordings. And then we're going to hear the Farewell Blues. And this is interesting because it has Humphrey Little switching over to play clarinet. Uh, so there are two clarinets here. It features that and, a, and the rhythm section. Then we will hear the uh, sort of black folk tune, Salty Dog, which was also known as Uncle Bud. No vocals here, uh, but that will be done from September 12th of 1948. And then we're going to end uh, that uh, session with the uh, last tune, which is Mahogany Hall Stomp, the Louis Armstrong tune from 1928-29 or so, and uh, a rousing finish to our first set of Humphrey Littleton and his band. So, those are our tunes. Jenny's Ball... Victory House Drag, Farewell Blues, Salty Dog, and Mahogany Hall Stomp.
So there we have some rousing traditional jazz at its inception in, in Great Britain in the late 1940s. We started out, actually, I, I reversed the tunes. I said it correctly once and incorrectly another time. We started out with Jenny's Ball, which was a tune from the 1920s. It had been recorded by Mamie Smith and uh, here done as an instrumental. Uh, that was from... Uh, May of 1948, and we followed it up with the Victory House Drag, a slower, more bluesy number done, I think, as a test pressing in March, March 20th of 1948. Then we went on to Salty, actually Farewell Blues, the uh, New Orleans Rhythm Kings tune, which here featured two clarinets, Wally Fox and Humphrey Littleton. Humphrey Littleton was a very respectable clarinet player. He went back to it now and again during his career. Of course, he focused on trumpet and cornet much more. Uh, Wally Fox, though, was a really interesting player. He was light years beyond the traditional jazz clarinet players of his generation in America, I think. He had a an interesting technique. He could get around the horn well. He had a lot of very original ideas. He had a sound that sometimes sounded like Johnny Dodds or sometimes like Sidney Bechet, but really sounded more like Wally Fox. He was a, definitely an original. George Webb on piano, Harry Brown on trombone, taking some good tailgate uh, Kid Ory style solos and ensembles, Neville Scrimshire on guitar, Lou Rawlings on bass, and Dave Carey on drums. And after Salty Dog, we heard, uh, or excuse me, after Farewell Blues, we went to Salty Dog, that slow bluesy tune. It's not a blues. As I said, it was an African-American folk tune. You can hear Papa Charlie Jackson do that in the 1920s, both as a solo and with Freddie Keppard's Jazz Cardinals, and Sidney Bechet recorded it for Blue Note in the 1940s. And we finished up with that uh, stomping version of Mahogany Hall Stomp. Not a racehorse tempo, but a very driving New Orleans type of tempo. And some of those recordings, those last three, uh, particularly from September 12th of 1948, I don't think were released at the time. They were released many, many, many years later on Stomp Off. I think about 40 years later uh, on uh, Barberto's Stomp Off label out of Pennsylvania. 
So we are going to go on now to another set of Humphrey Littleton and his early jazz band. These recordings done for London Jazz and Esquire and Tempo. Esquire was a, a record label that uh, was founded by Carlo Cromer, who was a drummer who had played with George Shearing and also some of the early British bebop bands. He was a blind drummer who uh, split his time between playing and uh, making record sessions, uh, doing record sessions for the Esquire label. And uh, quite a few great recordings are on that particular label as well. So we're going to go now to a, an original Humphrey Littleton tune called The Thin Red Line, and this is from November 16th of 1948. Again, the same band, uh, done for London Jazz and Esquire, released on both. I think it was recorded for London and possibly released on Esquire, maybe the other way around, I'm not sure about that. Uh, as you can tell, some of the discography of this early Littleton band is kind of muddled. Um, I don't think there's ever been a really comprehensive reissue. I've picked these things up in dribs and drabs, and there are still quite a number of sides that I haven't found, so uh, hopefully someday they will start coming out again. Then we're going to go to December 2nd of 1948, uh, Pretty much the same band again, and this is If You See Me Coming, a blues tune that was recorded by Sidney Bechet and Mez Mesro on the famous Mesro-Ladnier sessions of uh, 1938 that uh, the French critic Hugh Panazier put together for RCA Victor. Actually, Sidney Bechet was not on that one. That was just one of the Mesro-Ladnier sides that featured Teddy Bunn on guitar and singing. And then after that, we're going to go to Cakewalk and Babies from Home, a... Uh, tune from the 1920s, of course, done by the Red Onion Jazz Babies and by Clarence Williams Band, featuring Louis Armstrong and uh, Sidney Bechet. Following that, we will go to two tunes from January 30th of 1949. This is um, Humphrey Littleton on cornet. Keith Christie plays trombone on this. He'd replaced Harry Brown. Wally Fox again on clarinet. George Webb on piano. Same rhythm section, actually. Neville Scrimshaw. Les Rawlings and Dave Carey. The first tune we're going to hear from that session is a trumpet solo, trumpet or cornet and rhythm. It's the uh, Cole Porter tune, Miss Otis Regrets She's Unable to Lunch Today, very sophisticated tune from the middle 1930s. Uh, here it's taken almost as a classic blues type of song. No vocal here, but just some very lovely trumpet playing. And we're going to finish off that set with the New Orleans anthem, Porter Steele's March High Society, which will give you a good sense of how Wally Fox could incorporate the New Orleans style and the traditional New Orleans clarinet solo into his own style of playing. So, from 1948-49, we have Humphrey Littleton and his band recording for all of these different British labels, Esquire, uh, Tempo, London, and so forth. And we will hear The Thin Red Line, If You See Me Coming, Cakewalking Babies from Home, Miss Otis Regrets, and High Society. Thank you. 
That's a very compelling trad jazz. I am maybe a traitor to my cause by saying this, but I've always felt that the British trad bands of this period, but certainly the 50s and 60s, were way beyond the American trad bands in terms of originality and uh, mode of expression and, and just plain jazz playing. They uh, really took uh, a lot of different directions from the originals. They, they didn't slavishly uh, copy the, the early bands the way a lot of the American bands did, and they really saw themselves as jazz musicians, not just recreative traditional jazz musicians. And when we get into the 50s and 60s and bands like Kenny Balls and the Temperance Seven and uh, Alex Welsh, you get some really very original jazz performances by musicians who came up in this earlier era. And even Humphrey Littleton, uh, certainly allowed for a great deal of growth in his own playing. He became more of a swing player. He began adding saxophones, uh, most notably Bruce Turner, uh, to his ensemble, I think in place of a trombone in the mid-50s, and that caused great dissent in the traditional jazz world in England. It was comparable to Bob Dylan using an electric guitar at the uh, Newport Folk Festival. Uh, but Littleton, known as Humph, uh, was true to his own ideals, and he continued doing that. He actually had big bands. Uh, he had uh, musicians like Kathy Stobart and uh, Joe Temperley playing for him, who were much more modern-sounding saxophonists. Uh, he also led a big band, a, a, a very... Um, successful big band on tour with uh, Jimmy Rushing, who came over from the United States and actually brought some of Buck Clayton's arrangements that he had recorded. We have them on a podcast from a year or so ago. And uh, Littleton's band actually in some ways sounded better than the, the band of American jazz musicians. It was much tighter and very uh, enthusiastic. And uh, Littleton and Buck Clayton had a, a partnership as well. They, they toured together and uh, recorded some of Clayton's arrangements for the jazz band, smaller jazz band, and uh, uh, he uh, did some of his own tunes as well. So uh, Humphrey Littleton continued to change over the years. He went back to his trad roots later on, especially in the 1980s and 90s, but he never really stood still, which I think is a very compelling uh, thing for a jazz musician. And the same thing could be said for Wally Fox. His clarinet playing was always interesting. It was never, never boring, never derivative. So we started out with the Thin Red Line, the Humphrey Littleton original, and went on to that bluesy tune, If You See Me Coming, Heist Your Window High, sung by Teddy Bunn uh, for Victor in 1938-39, somewhere in there. Then the Cakewalk and Babies, a rousing performance of that, and a very reflective trumpet solo. Humph was not known as a virtuoso, certainly, but he was a very direct and forthright cornet player, and you could hear that on the Cole Porter song, Miss Otis Regrets. She's unable to lunch today. And then we finished up with High Society. A test piece of all Dixieland, New Orleans traditional jazz bands over the years. So we have one more set, and this sort of brings us up to uh, where Humphrey Littleton's band started recording for Parlophone, and as I said, that was uh, when they became quite well-known in England. They also made the acquaintance of some of the Australian musicians who were touring, Graham Bell's band. They recorded with them, with Aid Monsborough and uh, some of the other players from that style, and they, they had a mutual admiration society, and that uh, helped both of them, uh, both of the bands in terms of popularity. But all of this that we are listening to today is sort of the getting-it-together period for Humphrey Littleton and his band. So we're going to hear a couple of tunes from the April 20th, 1949 session done for Esquire. Some of them were released on London Jazz and Lake, all over the place. We're going to start with the Artie Matthews jazz tune, Weary Blues, actually more of a ragtime tune, uh, in form anyway, and uh, we'll hear a good jazz version of that, and then go on to the King Oliver tune, the Working Man Blues, uh, which gives uh, uh, Wally Fox some good moments as well. 
Then another Humphrey Littleton original from May 26th of 1949, the Vox Humana Blues, which were, was done again for London jazz. More or less the same band. Humphrey Littleton, Keith Christie, Wally Fox, George Webb, Neville Scrimpshire, and uh, Les uh, Rawlings and Dave Carey. All the same band. Very, very stable personnel in this band for quite a while. And then we're going to finish up with a tune, again done for Esquire, on May 31st of 1949, another Great New Orleans standard and a rousing version of the Panama Rag. So this is Humphrey Littleton and his band from 1948-49, the Weary Blues, Working Man Blues, Vox Humana Blues, and Panama Rag.
I think that's kind of a study in how to produce excitement without going fast. That wasn't a terribly fast performance of Panama, but a very exciting one, as was Weary Blues, which started out, which had a very sudden ending, and that was part of the arrangement. They did two different versions of that on different sessions, and it ended the same way both times. So that was Humphrey Littleton and his band. And what we had there was Humphrey Littleton playing cornet and or trumpet, Keith Christie on trombone, we had Wally Fox on clarinet, George Webb on piano, Neville Scrimshaw on guitar and banjo, Les Rawlings on bass, and Dave Carey on drums and washboard. And that sound of the banjo and bass to me is the sound of the British trad bands. We played a, did a program of Sandy Brown's recordings a while back, and we have some other British trad bands I want to focus on at some point coming up in the not-too-distant future. And that, uh, that sound was really kind of emblematic of that style. And there weren't many American bands that were using that combination. They used either banjo and tuba or guitar and bass. But uh, very interesting sound. And so that was about two years in the life of the Humphrey Littleton Band from March of 1948 up through May of 1949. Hope you've enjoyed this program. That's our British trad program featuring the music of Humphrey Littleton and his band, the first recordings done prior to the Parlophone series. You've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you're interested in sponsoring us. We could always use some more members of the family, and please reach out and tell me if you'd like to hear any specific programs. I uh, have a web presence on Instagram and Facebook, my band name, Wolverine Jazz Band, also wolverinejazzband.net. So take a listen, take a look, and talk to you soon about that. And until then, I'll see you on the other side.